I was riding my bike in Shampooey State Park and through the distant trees blowing in the wind, I turned and saw a gigantic creature moving swiftly. It had long orange flowing hair. It was walking at a brisk pace, passing all of the other tree and wood life creatures. And I saw it from a distance, but I was certain that what I saw was the Bigfoot. It is June 2nd, 1971, and a big old Bigfoot is strolling past a trailer park just outside of the Downs. This is some kick-ass Oregon history. Welcome to another installment of Kick-Ass Oregon History, a survey created by the geeked out history folks at orhistory.com. We profile only the most badass, captivating Oregon stories. It's all Oregon sex, drugs, rock and roll, and earth-shattering, devastating destruction. Basically, the good stuff. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Jack London Bar. Historian and Bigfoot hunter, Doug Kank Crispin. Where do geeked out boys and girls go for drinks and mingling in downtown Portland? Why, the Jack London Bar, of course. Steeped in a double helping of Oregon history, the Jack London Bar offers dancing, speakers, and other entertainment pleasure, including my favorite, Stumptown Stories and the Tuesday Free Lecture Series. So come grab a cocktail, a seat at the couch, and get your historical on at the Jack London Bar underneath the Rialto Pool Room on 4th and Alder in downtown Portland, the Jack London Bar. Through the woodland, through the valley, comes a horseman wild and free, tilting at the windmills passing, who can the brave young horseman be? He is wild, but he is mellow, he is strong, but he is weak, he is cruel, but he is gentle, he is wise, but he is meek. Sasquatch. Bigfoot. The mere mention of the name conjures up a variety of images. A hairy, ape-like beast, a blurry, shambling creature roving the trails of the Pacific Northwest, a toothless yokel who swears that not only has he seen it, but he's played cards with it and seen its hidden treasure cave. Is Sasquatch real or not? While the question of its existence may be open for debate, what is not debatable is the fact that Bigfoot has left a big old permanent footprint on the legacy of Oregon history. The range of the Sasquatch has been theorized to run from Northern California to Northern British Columbia, with parts of Idaho thrown in for good measure. This habitat, therefore, includes the coast and cascade ranges of Oregon. Some say that the total area that Sasquatches may range could at minimum cover 125,000 square miles. Today, for the most part, we will be focusing on Beaver State Bigfoot sightings.
Native American peoples in Oregon have had legends of large, Sasquatch-like forest beasts for many years. The Chinook, Nehalem, Clackamas, and Modoc all have large beasts in their traditions, although the specific attributes are often quite different. Stone heads carved by Native Americans and found in the Middle Columbia River region seem to establish an ape-like beast in this area well before the arrival of white men, a subject we'll get to in the second podcast of the Bigfoot series. Early on in the state's history, newspapers in Oregon introduced beasts that sound very much like what we today call Sasquatch. Around Lebanon, Oregon, at a butte known as Bald Peter, in 1885 came newspaper reports of a wild man who lived in the mountains, sounding somewhat like a Bigfoot account. Reported to have been devoid of clothing and as hairy as an animal, he was seen eating the raw flesh of a deer and swiftly fled deep into the woods when approached. Perhaps a lost hunter or a deranged hermit, this could be the oldest Oregon report of a Bigfoot. In 1900, a Roseburg paper wrote that a, quote, kangaroo man had inhabited a mining district in Curry County. Described as a man with cat-like agility, the reporter recounted the sighting, stated that he was a very good-looking man, nine feet in height, with a low forehead, hair hanging down near his eyes, and his body covered with a prolific growth of hair, which nature has provided for protection. Its hands reach almost to the ground, and when its tracks were measured, its feet were found to be 18 inches in length, with five well-formed toes. A Coos County report in 1904 notes that a seven-foot-high beast with broad hands and feet, something like a gorilla, was seen. This incarnation was great at jumping, outran everyone, and threw rocks with a superb force and accuracy. That sounds strangely familiar. What is it? mountain lion? Oh, it's too big. What do you think, a huge grizzly, Tom? No. No, not a cat. Not a grizzly. Oh, what is it? There's only one thing in the mountains that leaves a track like this. The creature of legend that roams the timberline. My people named him Sasquatch. You call him Bigfoot. Sasquatches are usually reported to be at least human height and generally taller. They are often broader than humans, and the Sasquatch limbs are more often than not in proportion with human limbs as opposed to apes. They are quite active at night, a nocturnal creature in many sightings. Some have claimed that they breathe heavy in an almost wheezing fashion, like a sufferer of asthma or emphysema, although without exertion. Oh, and they fucking stink. One witness described Sasquatch as having a truly nauseating, acrid odor. Another said the beast smelled like an old outhouse. But isn't this all just bullshit? What physical proof do we have for Bigfoots in Oregon? <laughs> 
Well, decidedly, the material evidence is quite poor. Historian Doug Kank Crispin. There are some casts of big, crazy footprints, but many of these have been determined to be fakes. There are some grainy videos, but more often than not, they look like people in monkey suits with funny strides. A Bigfoot corpse has never been found, and bones seem to be the most obvious, tangible piece of substantiation one would expect to find, for surely Bigfoot's fall over dead. What we do have is a shit ton of witnesses who claim to have seen Sasquatches and are more than happy to tell the tale. A family saw Bigfoot standing in the Detroit Reservoir. He reached down, caught a fish, bit off its head, and ate his prize. A trio of Bigfoots, or Bigfeet, a male, a female, and a child, were seen foraging for rodents, likely marmots, in the Clackamas River watershed by Estacada. Of course, it was by Estacada. Another reported sighting in the Clackamas Valley was of two slumbering Sasquatches. They are observed to be sleeping for about an hour, and then these females, identified as such due to their pendulous breasts, went to a creek and began eating water plants. One of the she-sasquatches displayed swollen genitals, and she kept rubbing herself in her lady parts and emitted a sound like a scream in an echo chamber. One of these female Bigfoots also squatted and shat in the creek and then wiped herself clean with her hand. I'm a Sasquatch man, and I'm looking for a Sasquatch woman. Sasquatch woman. She ain't got hairspray, but she got bear spray in her cut rate fanny purse. I'm a Sasquatch man, and I'm looking for a Sasquatch woman. Sasquatch woman. We'll have a ball making Bigfoot calls on the riverbanks. For some reason, the Oregon version of Sasquatch seems to get shot a lot, or at least shot at a lot. Research in the 1970s found that out of every 12 Oregon Bigfoot sightings, Sasquatch would be shot at once. One incident highlights this trend. A situation at Triangle Lake west of Eugene where some poachers were spotlighting deer. A cluster of concerned deer came racing down the hillside like bats out of hell, and the poachers shined their light around to see what had caused the commotion. When it became clear that the hullabaloo had been triggered by a Bigfoot, they started shooting their twenty-twos at it, apparently letting loose thirty or forty rounds. The pissed-off Bigfoot turned and fled over the hill, apparently flailing its arms as if repelling a swarm of flies. In 1957, an Oregon hunter at Winoga Butte near Bend had just shot a deer and was sitting on a rock to make sure it was dead. All of a sudden, a Sasquatch came tear-ass out of the brush, grabbed the felled animal under one arm, then quickly turned and ran back into the forest. The hunter raised his .30-06 to his shoulder and muttered, That son of a bitch is stealing my deer. He emptied his rifle into the fleeing Bigfoot's back, but other than a strange whistling scream, he saw no other indication that his bullets had met their mark. While these anecdotes are quite dramatic, they are exceptional to the rule. Most sightings share a similar characteristic 
a dull and unconvincing account of a shy giant that simply turned, walked away, and did nothing. John Green called Sasquatch a remarkably inoffensive animal. He's a relatively peaceful creature. No rushing of the observers, no growling in aggressive Kong-like giant gorilla manner. Rather, Bigfoot is seen as an unobtrusive being that tries to get away from his or her fellow bipedal primates at a swift, measured pace. Peter Byrne has characterized Sasquatches as the most elusive and man-wary creatures on the face of the earth. I like the encounters of Sasquatch had by loggers, road engineers, and other rapists of Oregon's natural beauty. In these happenstances, Sasquatch is literally a savior of our state's environment, or at least a humanoid witness to the sodomy, not some rare squirrel or an owl with funny spots or some other easily dismissed animal. Bigfoot is always a tall, hairy, stinky version of Trey Arrow. Well, I assume that Trey Arrow is stinky, but maybe not as much as Bigfoot. There is unrest in the forest. There is trouble with the trees. For the maples want more sunlight and the oaks ignore their pleas. One such sighting was in the Hood River National Forest when a logging crane operator saw a Sasquatch on Fir Mountain. The crew was clearing five acres of timber, and the crane was creating considerable noise, as were the sounds of crashing, falling trees. At one point in this molestation, the crane operator saw a massive, broad creature standing at the edge of the clear-cut at a distance of 65 yards. The hairy, man-like beast was just watching the operation, and slowly turned and walked into the forest with a smooth, flowing fashion. The same gang saw a similar or the same beast again the next day. Some in the crew thought the classic Bigfoot designation was appropriate for the creature. Another logger present was not so sure of what he had seen, but certainly attributed it to be some kind of goddamn monster. In the summer of 1973, a different group of loggers were clearing some Mackenzie River Valley timber for a right-of-way for a new road. They came to the site at 6.30 a.m. to inspect what they had cleared the day before. As one of the loggers said, standing about a hundred yards from us was this creature, was standing sideways to us in the middle of the down timber we had felled the day before. The creature was upright and covered with dark brownish hair. Seemed to be just looking around in total amazement at the construction taking place. It caught wind or heard us shortly after we saw it. Moving very quickly, the creature walked off into the timber. Anthropologist and author of the book Bigfoot Exposed, David Daigling, calls Bigfoot an ecological messiah, for it signifies wilderness and the power of nature. He says that if we 
understand this monster, we might overcome our ambivalent relationship with nature. Daigling calls Bigfoot's the ideal guardian of nature. Resident historian Doug Kent Crispin had an opportunity to speak with Daigling on the telephone, and he had this to say. So could you tell us why we need a Bigfoot? That's an excellent question, and I'm not certain that um, I have the definitive answer for that. But I think it's pretty clear because the phenomenon of Bigfoot is with us and has been with us and will be with us um, in North America for the foreseeable future. Um, the, the legend of Bigfoot is, I think, very appealing because um, Bigfoot is sort of reflective of ourselves, but um, in a state of nature. And so what Bigfoot represents is this thing in the wilderness um, that is intelligent like us, uh, but at the same time it's living in harmony with nature. And in that sense, um, it's wiser than us. And I think that the rise of the environmental movement and concerns about the environment um, has had something to do with Bigfoot's popularity. As anthropologist Marjorie Halpin states, Sasquatch is pure potentiality, pure possibility. The animal becomes a sigil of the forests of Oregon we so love. If we destroy nature, we destroy this awkward, timid colossus. But on the other hand, if Bigfoot survives, the forest survives. And let's not forget our seemingly physical connection with this wild mountain man. Indeed, he is our cousin, or even sibling in an evolutionary sense. Sasquatch is like your hairy, crunchy, organic uncle living in that yurt, growing weed over in Lane County. Not to get all hippie on you and shit. Could you tell me a little bit about this concept? Uh, I, I particularly enjoyed it, this concept of Bigfoot as Messiah, or as kind of a savior of the forest, or uh, an observer of the forest. Yeah, this was uh, something that um, Bob Pyle, who wrote a book called Where Bigfoot Walks, uh, postulated, and I think it's a really interesting idea. Um, I refer to Bigfoot in my book as sort of an eco-messiah, um, meaning that um, Bigfoot might be uh, sitting there in the woods lurking and allowing us to see it, um, in order that we might uh, learn something or perhaps take a lesson from how it's actually uh, living in the woods without destroying the woods. Um, and I think that there's tremendous appeal uh, in that. If Sasquatch is tromping around in the Oregon woods, leaving curious footprints at random points, it means we haven't clear-cut all of our forests. We haven't allowed our urban sprawl to devour our natural, beautiful environment like a hungry, bloated pig. If we show a modicum of consumptional restraint, Sasquatch lives. Bigfoot is a marker for our natural treasures in the state of Oregon. Honestly, I hope we never discover if Sasquatch is real or not. We have enough physical evidence, going back to the carved stone ape heads of the Columbia River Basin, 
enough evidence to at least reasonably entertain the idea of the existence of Sasquatch. And frankly, that's enough for me. I'm content to accept that Bigfoot could be. Indeed, it's a reassuring stretch of the imagination. It's comforting and protective. Bigfoot could be. And like the fate of D.B. Cooper, maybe we shouldn't know the answer. For are we not a better world if Sasquatch, the protector or messiah of the woods, is running around the Cascades, keeping our Timberland treasures under a good watch? Is not our state's legacy richer with a giant, gentle forest primate to keep us company on afternoon hikes and summer camping trips? Isn't Shampooey State Park a more opulent destination as both the birthplace of American Oregon as well as a regular haunt of Sasquatches? And under her watchful eye, we all live happily ever after. If I leave here tomorrow, would you still Thank you for listening, Ass Kickers. We hope that you agree that this episode featured some kick-ass Oregon history. Today's podcast was brought to you by the Jack London Bar. It was written by Doug Kink Crispin and Andy Lindbergh. Citations are available on request. Check out our website at orhistory.com. There, you can subscribe to the podcast and have it delivered through RSS directly to your device. You can pick up Oregon History merchandise and learn about upcoming Oregon History events like our sold-out double-decker historic bus and beer tour of Portland. We want to thank Double Decker PDX Bus and Ninkasi Brewing of Eugene for their generous co-sponsorship of this exciting ORHistory.com event. Follow us on Twitter at Oregon underscore history. You can also like us on the Facebook our email address is OregonHistorian at gmail.com. Be sure to catch Bigfoots in Oregon Volume 2, the ORHistory.com's investigative team Sasquatch field trip into the wilds of Oregon to find Bigfoot, of course. This kick-ass podcast appears like an ape-esque apparition through the Cascades mist on June 15th. And coming up on June 19, 2012 at 7.30 p.m., Kick-Ass Oregon History is proud to partner with the Jack London Bar to present Bigfoots in Oregon, an evening of discussion and film viewing on the phenomena of Sasquatch in the Beaver State. Just don't get too close to Mr. Kent Crispin. He's been described as having a truly nauseating, acrid odor, something akin to an outhouse. You stay historic, Oregon, and kick ass.
Madison, Oregon, Volume 2. ORhistory.com's investigative team Sasquatch field trip into the wilds of Oregon to find Bigfoot. Motherfucker. You can also pick up Oregon History merchandise and learn about upcoming Oregon History events, like our sold-out Oregon double-decker fuck-fuck-fuck-fuck-fuck-fuck-fuck-fuck bus.